G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Let's turn our attention to how we care for the elderly and frail as an alternative to the euthanasia option now legal in so many states around Australia. We might be wondering how the church can help to reduce the demand for extreme solutions by providing and supporting far better solutions. Kerry Andouli is a sessional academic at ACU in the School of Nursing, Midwifery and Paramedicine. She is Director of Nursing for the Banyans Health Plus, a former Vice President of Palliative Care Queensland and Managing Director of My Care Enterprises, who provide in-home palliative, aged and disability care. Kerry ann welcome along to 2020. Oh, thanks, Neil. Thank you so much for addressing this topic. It's very important that people have confidence they can have excellent quality end-of-life care. Kerri-Ann, most people are familiar with euthanasia and as it has happened in the debates around Australia, the alternative, which we'll talk about today, has largely gone under the radar. But euthanasia, it's taking hold in states around Australia. How do you feel about that? I was very disappointed that Queensland uh, legalised what is known as voluntary assisted dying or euthanasia last year. There was um, debate, as many would know, or your listeners, if they um, do live in Queensland, and that's my home state, that it was um, passed um, in in the, the state parliament. So... I felt disappointed that it has now become an option rather than elevating palliative care and certainly as a palliative care nurse and someone that's cared for hundreds at the end of life, I would rather see governments investing in um, finances so that palliative care and Queenslanders, Australians know they can have confidence to access quality end-of-life care and palliative care wherever they live. Even though legislation has gone through in a number of states, that doesn't mean that you quieten down on issues around palliative care. How important is it to be able to continue to lobby and expect our political leaders to support palliative care initiatives? Oh, yeah, we continue to... um, shout from the rooftops that palliative care needs a large investment of extra funding and Palliative Care Queensland has done that in um, independent reports that they've put forward that in Queensland we need you know, $290 million extra a year so that right across the state people can have confidence to get access to palliative care. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard of the Queensland Care Alliance, Neil. Have you? Uh, No, I'm not so familiar. Tell us about that. So the Queensland Care Alliance was established last year um, by health professionals and particularly doctors, not just palliative physicians, but also in every field of medicine. And they invited 
those that work in um, palliative care and in the healthcare sector who didn't feel they wanted to support VAD to come together and create this Queensland Care Alliance. So there are certainly people of faith, but certainly those that just believe palliative care needs to be um, the primary offering for people at the end of life. So certainly we are... um, Promoting palliative care and, you know, working with uh, organisations like Palliative Care Queensland and Cherish Life that uh, don't want to see um, euthanasia and voluntary assisted dying as, as, you know, the primary option. Kerri-Ann, it seems to be there are popular myths and misinformation around euthanasia and one of those that somehow because governments legislate for voluntary assisted dying or euthanasia that uh, everybody really wants to end their lives. That's not the case, is it? Oh, not at all. And if you asked any of my colleagues that work in palliative care, and I've done this poll with nearly all of those that I've, I've worked with, you know, how many of your patients have asked you for euthanasia throughout your career and many of them spanning 20 and 30 years? they would say one or two, you know, they could count on one hand. And yet you've got the Andrew Denton saying that it's 80% of the Australian public that want it. Um, I would really question the validity of some of those polls um, and the questions that are asked as to how people respond. And certainly for my clients and my patients that I've cared for, um, I've had in my 20-year career two people asked me for euthanasia and certainly once they've accepted and, and received good quality evidence-based palliative care, um, it's never asked again. So um, I, I, I disagree with those um, polls and, and those statistics. Let me ask you, as someone who has a deep and grounded Christian faith, about the perception around suffering. And as you say, uh, the thought that there might be 80% of Australians just want to deal with this uh, on a euthanasia level, as might have been promoted in some circles. As a Christian, we take a different view of how we deal with our suffering. Oh, very much so. And certainly as as a Christian, I hold to the value and sacredness of life and that we have an author who's the giver and taker of life and the view that now people are wanting to essentially kill themselves so it's not just voluntary assisted dying it's voluntary assisted suicide that um, we should be providing people the holistic support so they're not suffering whether it's physical suffering emotional suffering or existential suffering and Pretty much now in evidence-based palliative care, we can eradicate physical suffering with medication, but it's that existential pain or suffering that no medication will touch and the thought that somebody would want to take their life because they're in suffering and not getting support, be it you know spiritual support, um, emotional support, social support, I think is a, a, a far cry on our community and on our society that we're not able to provide that at end of life for everyone. It may be law in a number of states now around Australia 
But does that mean as Christians, as people who are a part of local churches, what sort of role do you hope that Christians will uh, will actually uh, dig a little deeper into in offering the sorts of alternatives that come with palliative care? Well, I would suggest to your listeners that they get involved if with their local palliative care unit or if they um, are blessed enough to have a hospice. I mean, the hospice movement is um, quite active in Queensland. We do have hospices, whether it be paediatric hospices, and certainly every major public hospital around the nation would have a palliative care unit, and they do really seek volunteers, so people that can come and sit with people who maybe don't have family and those that can be involved. And certainly if you don't have a hospice in your area, We've seen church groups, um, particularly in Toowoomba and, and down the Gold Coast, um, Hopewell Hospice, were started by passionate locals, many who had a Christian faith, Reverend Ian Mather, who, who was um, part of starting Hopewell Hospice down the Gold Coast, um, people who want to see end-of-life care um, as a collective in their community. So I think there's things that we can do as Christians if you feel particularly passionate in this space to actually put action to your passion and and stand up and volunteer. You mentioned that funding is really inadequate and uh, in your state of Queensland, uh, the thought that uh, funding may be there for city people, but for those who are in regional and rural areas, uh, there's a bit of a hit and miss attitude to how palliative care can happen. What are your concerns for people in the bush? Well, often they have to move to a more metropolitan area to access quality end-of-life care, particularly if they need a palliative care unit in the last few weeks of their life or if they need access to specialist palliative care, which they may not be able to get in, in regional Queensland or even I would speak of regional Um, other parts of Australia. Um, Thankfully, we do have telehealth options now and palliative consultants can speak with people, you know, in those regional areas, but there's nothing quite like being face-to-face and if you need end-of-life nursing care to actually get nurses in some of our regional and remote areas is very challenging um, due to the lack of funding. So... We talk about postcode palliative care. Um, I I think in this day and age that we should be able to give Australians the confidence they can access palliative care irrespective of where they live. Kerri-Anne, what is, in your mind, the shortfall in the funding in your state of Queensland? It's likely to be similar in other states that have this sort of legislation as well. Uh, What's the shortfall in Queensland? So Palliative Care Queensland did some work around this and they said it's around $290 million a year. And that sounds like a lot of money. But when you look at palliative care currently in the Queensland health system, it only gets 1% of the funding. And yet death affects one in one stat. It's 100% of the population that die. And 85% of us need some type of specialist palliative care. So we're saying that's equates to about $50 a person when the population of Queensland is only $6 million. So it's not a lot um, of money 
in the grand scheme of things or in um, health budgets, but we're saying for people to have confidence wherever they live in, in Queensland that that's where it needs to be. And certainly other states, I know New South Wales, the state government has invested larger amounts of palliative care and they have seen, um, you know, through petitioning and lobbying and um, speaking to the health minister that they've been able to get um, additional funding. Tasmania also has very good funding. Um, Victoria, um, yeah, not so much, but um, we do see it greatly vary uh, around the nation and certainly would love to see a national palliative care strategy. Well, I know there'll be listeners. Some will want to be connected to you and support the initiatives that you're talking about. Uh, let me point people to two ways they can connect. Uh, one of those is you're preparing to be a part of a panel at the upcoming Church and State Summit. Now, that's happening on Saturday, 26th of February at Harvest Point Church in Bow Desert in Queensland. And for listeners who say, I could never get to the summit in Bow Desert, you'll be able to live stream. And Kerry-Ann will be part of a panel talking about palliative care issues during that summit day. Uh, you can register to be a part of a live stream and connect there, churchandstate.com.au. And Kerry-Ann, My Care Enterprises, you're leading that, you're managing director, you provide in-home palliative aged and disability care, people can connect with you on your website. Yes, absolutely. And there's an email address and phone number there. So if any of your listeners want to contact me directly, please, um, yeah, do so. More than happy. Kerry-Ann Dooley and Kerry-Ann, Managing Director of My Care Enterprises, mycareenterprises.com.au and to register to see that live stream for the Church and State Summit, churchandstate.com.au. Kerry-Ann, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts with us today on 2020. Oh, thank you, Neil, for being willing to promote palliative care. Very grateful. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.